101.9 High FM, One Nation, One Station. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to our brand new segment here at High FM. Propportunity knocks your key to the property market. I'm your host, Jordan, Jordan Chinatsky. Lovely to be on here. And uh, we've got some very exciting stuff to discuss today, as well as an exceptionally bright and experienced, lovely lady, Angela Rivers, who will be joining us today to give some insight into the property market. She represents the Johannesburg Property Owners and Management, uh, excuse me, Managers Association. And uh, today we'll be discussing how maladministration in the city of Johannesburg is affecting really everyone in the property market, but specifically homeowners. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. Welcome back this morning. Propportunity knocks. It's our first show. We're very excited. And uh, with me, your host, Jordan, in the studio, we have Angela Rivers, the general manager at Johannesburg Property Owners and Managers Association. So welcome, Angela. Hi, Jordan. Thank you so much for having me on your very first show. I am so, I feel really lucky. Thank you. <laughs> no, thank you so much for coming. We really appreciate having a an expert like yourself in studio with us just to share your opinions. Uh, we do have quite an exciting topic for the day. Hope we uh, can get through all of it <laughs> in one interview, but we'll see how we go. The topic for the day, mm. Angela, is yes, Jordan. <laughs> how does maladministration, predominantly, if not solely, in the city of Johannesburg, mm. how is that affecting homeowners in the market right now? You know, I mean, Everyone who's in the property market knows that it's not exactly the best time to be a homeowner. But, I mean, in terms of the things that we can control to an extent, I mean, surely it's in the best interests of the councils and municipalities to sort of tighten the ship mm. when it comes to, you know, all sorts of property-related issues, be it, you know, fixing a pothole or rezoning some land or whatever the case may be. But uh, before we jump into the questions, for those who may have some questions our sms line is three four five one nine and you can also tweet us at chai fm very simple very neat but uh without further ado let us get to business angela um as you can expect i've put together a couple of questions just to pick your brain but first and foremost i think one of the more prevalent issues when it comes to you know, councils, municipalities, especially for the homeowner, mm -hmm. is, you know, the impact mm. of an unsubstantiated and most likely incorrect property valuation for a person's home. I mean, how how can one get around that if your property's been overvalued or even undervalued? Yeah. What what are the what are the you know resources available to a person in that position? So every four years, the city does send out a general valuation role, and um, everyone is sent, if, they, if your property value has increased, you mm -hmm. should get a notification, mm -hmm. and you were given until last week to object. Oh, wow. <laughs> so if you missed the deadline, I'm sorry, but yeah. you can, there's not many avenues once you've missed the deadline. The biggest problem with property valuations is if they are overvalued, if the valuation changes within a certain bracket, it automatically goes to the valuation board and then it's out of your hands. Yeah. And look, I mean, I have a somewhat of an agent background in property, so I've seen a mm. lot in my time. 
Yes. But uh, yeah, it's 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 really difficult. I mean, speaking on an even more personal level, I my I, I just recall my family home it was a, a basic cluster complex, five or six units, and the municipal valuation for my family's home was about just under eight million, and. With all due respect, sorry, mom, <laughs> sorry, dad. Our house is sort of like the smallest in the in the complex. You know, it's yeah. a beautiful home, but it's it's you know the neighbors have a little bit of a bigger, better house. But <laughs> ideally, two of them in recent years have actually sold their homes for what you'd imagine to be more than our municipal value. Yes, I think they. I think it was below six or so that they ended up getting. So that just begs the question: How can my property mm. be worth more municipally? Be worth more than a property next door me that is bigger, arguably better. You know, I just don't understand how that works. And you try to peel it, you try and, and combat it, and you get nowhere. It is a very flawed system, and one of the biggest issues that we have is a huge shortage of qualified property valuers in South yeah. Africa in general. I've been to a lot of sessions with the city where they've actually pleaded um, you know, if your children want to know what they do, want to do when they leave school, become a property valuer. It's mm. good money and there's yeah. a huge shortage. Yeah, and we need and a few. We need a lot. We need, we need a quality. huge amount. I think at the city at the moment, there's, at a guess, maybe five valuators that are mm. working in the city trying to value Hundreds all these of, wow. thousands of properties within oh, the cities, uh, within the city of Johannesburg alone. Jeez, it just sounds like an inefficient mess, if you ask me. <laughs> so with that in mind, let me ask you this. I mean, it's all banter at this stage and just exchanging ideas. But do you believe, mm. with your experience and what you've seen, do you believe that the prospect of potentially privatizing property valuations through an agency or an appointed board or something like that, do you think that would have the desired impact on, on the country in this regard? I think that there's a lot of departments that should be privatized. <laughs> <laughs> How much time do you have? <laughs> um, yes, I think it would help, but I don't know if the city would ever go for it. Yeah, I mean, the one yeah. thing that they're not good at is giving up their power. Yeah, or um, money. Or money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I know that there's been a lot of uh, move over the a lot of. Oh, a lot of work over the city to try and get these valuations as correct as possible. Mm -hmm. um, in all fairness to the rates department, they have contacted Jay Pomer in the past and said, you know, can you send us your property owners list beforehand so we can try and tie them up with the value and, you know, try and get as close to accurate yeah. as possible. But yeah. it doesn't help when the person, the actual person working on the ground doesn't, have the same passion for yes, their job yes, as the people at yes. the top. Because at the end of the day, it's all just a chain of command. I mean, it's really within the powers of these five ladies and gentlemen that you <laughs> mentioned to, to really value every property in the entire inner city of Johannesburg. But, yeah, it's all very interesting. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's a lot of debate to be had. And, yes. unfortunately, we won't have enough time to, <laughs> to go into the finer details. But um, moving on, I suppose another issue, mm. uh, the list goes on and on mm. and on. on. You know, excessive rates and taxes, mm. that is an, a major concern. I mean, myself, as I say, I've seen it met with a lot of homeowners, a lot of people looking at buying homes, and it's really a deterrent in terms of, you know, whether or not you'd like to be a homeowner in this country. I mean, it's it's one thing paying rates for your water, for your lights, but now you're getting additional charges, sewerage, refuse, all of these little yes. costs that seem small at first, but they add up. Yeah. You know, it's almost, a, if I'm not mistaken, about a thousand rand a month extra now for your sewerage and refuse, which is twelve thousand rand a year. I mean, 
for some it's it's maybe lunch money, but for others it makes a serious difference, you know. And I mean, my question to you, in your experience once again, is, uh, in a nutshell, how do these exorbitant charges affect homeowners? I mean, in general, mm. the cost of living is hard enough. What with inflation and, you know, general, the general economic state of the country is really, really difficult. <laughs> never mind in property, but you know, just these little things. There's little things that just add to it and make it worse. Why is why is this the case? And how do they affect the the, the general day-to-day homeowner? Um, so, Jordan, I, I come from the affordable housing market, which is a very specific market, yes. and it's um, looking at people who sp- who earn within an income bracket of four and a half thousand rand to maybe fifteen, eighteen thousand rand. Yes. So, for them, the difference in two hundred rand for a sewer charge yes. is huge. It's the difference Immense. between eating tonight or yeah. not. And to give you an example, so Jay Poma actually is launching a, a court case against council specifically for sewer charges because we believe that sewer sh- charges should be based mm. b- should be based on usage and not this random yes. amount that they exactly. input on us. Exactly. And we've we've actually um, done the case study where we have shown that if you take the fixed rate of sewer and you calculate it, it is far more excessive than what a prepaid sewer person would pay. Because I have no doubt. It That's is, very interesting. It's very crazy. It's so to give you a, a really practical idea, yeah. a practical example, is if you live in the inner city and you stay in an 18-square-meter flat, which is the, the average size yeah, of a flat in the inner city. About, but but that's, that's about smaller than the studio almost. It's, it's, yeah. it's crazy to even think about. So someone living in a flat the size of the studio will pay the exact same amount in sewer as someone staying on a 300-square-meter yeah. freestanding house. Yeah, no, it's it's absolutely absurd. It's cr- and me. that amount is big. It's three it, with tax because you it's it is it's it, it is a taxable yeah. um, service. So with tax, that's 300 rand no, just to pay on sewer. Jeez. It seems as though the municipalities are happy to ask us for money, but they struggle to explain where it's going. And um, also how they got to that figure. Yeah. We still, to this day, this this um, tariff was implemented about five or six years ago, mm-hmm. and we still have no idea where it came from. <laughs> it's just a random I feel like that amount. Is, I feel like that's the general mindset of most South Africans when it comes to anything involving councils, government, municipality. Things are really tough uh, to wrap your head around at the best of times. I mean, if you really ask yourself, why are we even paying electricity at this point when we barely ever have any? I mean... It's one thing going for prepaid and all, which is great. You'll probably save yourself money. But the, the lights go off every day, and we're still paying. Yes. That I can tell you. Yeah. Oh, but anyways, that's another, that's another debate for shit. another day. Yeah. <laughs> the ESCOM debate is one. That's a whole nother show. Yes, exactly. That's a whole nother month of shows. Um, all right. Well, with that, uh, with that all cleared up, very interesting takes. The the next thing I'd like to ask you, and I, I know based on our conversations before that these are some topics that you're quite passionate about. So I'm sure those listening would be very, very excited <laughs> to hear what you have to say. So in general, yes, property investment in South Africa. Yes. I mean, needless to say, if you've done any research, it's not exactly a golden ticket guaranteed mm. return. All yes. right. So. From your experience, have you seen a noticeable reduction in the level of investment in property in South Africa? I mean, well, Johannesburg more specifically, rather. Yes. Have you seen a specific reduction or have you heard from any investors that have given a general comment on the matter? 
Um, so within the inner city, we've now lost um, Anglo Shanti Gold was always in the inner city. They mm. have now moved to Rosebank. We've we lost. Well, I don't think Nedbank was ever really in the in the inner city. Absa is disinvesting. Um, we also have heard that Zurich is looking to leave the inner city. So these are all huge yeah. anchor um, clients that are yeah. are leaving the inner city. And, and I mean, and if you think about it, the state of the inner city as it stands isn't too great, and that's with these investors. So can you imagine them pulling out? Well, I mean, within the inner city, to be fair, there are pockets of excellence. Mm. I mean, mm. if you start, if you really look around the Absa precinct and the Gandhi Square, there there are people that have really they they've they protect they're trying their best to protect their investment. Yeah. But what I've seen from a JPOMA membership point of view is we've lost a lot of members over the years, as they are now selling their portfolios. Mm-hmm. They've just decided with the the increase in tariffs and the mal administration and the lack of service delivery that yeah. it's just not worth their while to invest yes, prop- yes. in property in the inner no, city. And I think that's, per- it's, it's perfectly understandable. I mean, it's, it's a pity, and mm. I'm sure they're, you know, I'm sure in an ideal world, everyone who loves this country as much as us would love to invest in it, but unfortunately, you have to protect yourself first, and uh, yeah, there's, there's a hell of a lot of risks, I suppose, attached, and... and- yeah. And Jordan, the biggest risk is the city of Johannesburg. Mm-hmm. I hate to say it. I mean, I've got some great contacts at city. Yeah. I've spent um, the last eight years at JPOMA building mm-hmm. great relationships. Mm-hmm. And there are people that legitimately love the yeah. work they do and they want to they they want to make it better. But unfortunately, it's not enough. Yeah, we need more people like that, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I suppose this this topic almost bleeds into another topic that <coughs> oh, excuse me that you. Uh, had mentioned to me in prior discussions, that being, and don't be alarmed, (laughs) property hijacking. Now, unlike car hijacking, which is undisputedly terrible, and we don't want that happening to anyone, Mm. property hijacking is a thing, for those that didn't know. Angela, please... Let's let's hear it. What exactly is property hijacking? Okay, so currently, I mean, it's gone from the days of, I mean, I, I've been in the inner city now for oh, nearly 18 years. Mm-hmm. 18 years ago, property hijacking was a very violent affair. Mm. Um, now it's a lot more sophisticated. There are syndicates that are running so that your property can be hijacked one of two ways. Mm-hmm. Um, a syndicate can move in and slowly infiltrate and take over the building from the inside or what we have seen is where tenants go on rent boycotts, mm-hmm. usually triggered by city council doing illegal disconnections of water and electricity, uh-huh. and then the tenants get upset, and then they don't want to pay their rent anymore. And then the homeowner suffers. And the then the homeowner suffers. suffers, exactly. Jeez. But the biggest problem with – well, okay, look, we say pro- – Building hijacking. I like that word. It's very controversial. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. city doesn't like it. We're not allowed to say that. We have to say problem properties. Okay. Which kind problem of, properties. you know, it's like a sugar coat. Exactly. Of the it, problem is the build, the, the issue is the building has been hijacked and that's the bottom yeah, line. Yeah. But the biggest problem, and this is what the city fails to understand. Once a building has been hijacked, the first thing that building hijackers do is stop paying municipality. Mm-hmm. So they stop paying water, they stop paying electricity, rates, refuse, yeah. sewer, and the city loses out on Snowball that money. Yeah. But the, it, it becomes it's such a it, it becomes such a toxic overflow because yeah. now what happens is you have a building that's hijacked. Next door is a legitimate landlord who mm-hmm. looks after his building, does the maintenance, pays the bills. 
But the building next door has now become a harbor for criminals. Um, mm-hmm. It's deteriorated. It's not being maintained. And the tenants in the legitimate tenants in the developed in the property areas, yeah. find it difficult to walk to their buildings. We've got cases. Yeah. There's a very famous building that I will continue to talk about until the city does something about it. It's a building called Casimir in Hilbra. Um, it is a city-owned building. Yeah. It is supposed to be their alternative accommodation. So there's an act called the Pi Act, which means you cannot evict someone unless they have alternative accommodation. The alternative accommodation has to be supplied by the city. Mm-hmm. So the city started renovating some buildings, and Casimir was supposed to be one of the properties that was going to um, be alternative accommodation, but now it's been hijacked. And the city has done nothing about it. Next door is um, one of our members' properties, and they literally cannot let the whole one side of their property because the gun shots through the windows, beer bottles through the windows. It is crazy. I can't even imagine. But, uh, Angela, we will definitely carry on this conversation. Let's give our listeners a little bit of time to process <laughs> what's been said, and uh, we'll be back shortly. Okay, cool. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. Thank you to all of our listeners tuning in. This is Propportunity Knox. I'm your host, Jordan Chinotsky, and with me again in studio, Angela Rivers. We have actually received a question via our SMS line. This question comes in from Jenny. And Jenny asks, what is the point of a property valuation when ultimately, you know, everything is dependent on the market and what the purchaser is prepared to pay? So, obviously, I believe Angela may have a (laughs) more in-depth answer for you in terms of the municipality's perspective. But, you know, from from a buying perspective or a selling perspective, I can tell you that, you know, your property valuation should be the basis of what your property is worth. However... You know, it often causes a bit of a a disconnect between what buyers are willing to pay and what the property should be worth. So ideally, if the market conditions are more suitable and more stable, if your rates and levies and all these things are a little bit under control, your general market stability should improve. And ultimately, that would lead to a more accurate valuation. But, Angela, please, let's hear, what do you have to say about that? I know you have a very strong opinion about the municipal perspective of this exact issue. Yes. So um, a huge portion of the city's budget is collected through property rates. So if you think about it, uh, for water and electricity, you're paying for your usage. So that money goes straight back to Rand Water or to ESCOM. Whereas with rates, you have an opportunity, uh, the city has an opportunity to bolster up its budget. So it's in their benefit. So it's agreed. It's in their benefit to increase the value of these properties because Mm. they can then increase the rates that they collect from you. Yeah, and ultimately, you know, obviously you have factors such as transfer duties and stuff attached to the sales of properties. But really, like you say, their prominent, if not, you know, major share of income comes from rates. So your valuation of your house means bugger all. It really means nothing to them as long as you're paying as much rates as possible, I suppose. Exactly. That's why also the rate, I I believe that the objection, the rates objection process is dragged out and made as difficult as possible because you just think to yourself, oh, well, it's an extra two or three hundred rand a month. You know, I can deal with it. But um, every year it's going up by more and more. Yeah. No, it's a constant issue. I mean, 
everything just seems to get more expensive as we go along, hey? Absolutely. I mean, God, goodness, we're all working hard and <laughs> doing nine to fives and nine to sevens, and things just keep getting more expensive. I feel like every month there's less income, less disposable income available. But anyways, enough doom and gloom. Um, we've got a question for you, Angela, another one. <laughs> wow, big response this morning. So, ooh, another Jenny. Um, we, well, I have, a, I have two stands. Second, not used. Okay. I have an amount of 25000 owed to me as an invoice, and I've tried to get this. Was told by Doris Street Santon that I should not be paying this. How do I get my money back? So, effectively, I'd assume that those were unpaid rates bills or rates clearance certificates or something along those lines. So, you know, clearly this is a, a lady who's in a very mm. common predicament. I mean, yeah. I've heard this from multiple people receiving charges and rates and bills and whatnot, and at the end of the, half the time you don't know what the hell you're paying for. Yeah, so this is this is more of a billing issue because to try and get a credit out of the city yeah. <laughs> is oh, virtually impossible. Yeah. Um, but they definitely will never... I can tell you in my experience, I have hardly ever seen the city credit anyone's uh, credit anyone's bank account. I'm saying bank account because yeah. they won't give you back the physical money. Mm. But if you're lucky, they'll if you're, if you're lucky, the they something. will transfer the credit from one account to the other if both accounts are in the same person's name. Wow! wow. And it's a very complex. It um, seems like they issue. wrote, someone wrote this book <laughs> and almost said, hmm, how can we make this as complicated and just really frustrating as possible for those involved? It just seems like they really went out of their way. But, okay, that is <laughs> no a comment. very, very common problem. And, uh, uh, Jenny, I hope that you have some, some form of extra information as to how you can have this resolved. But, again, moving on slightly, we do have, an almost infinite amount of topics, it seems, but yes. just to <laughs> sort of keep focus, you know, there's obviously benefits to living in a, you know, well-run area, complex uh, development, whatever the case may be, where the funds are used to maintain mm. and improve infrastructure, security, overall quality of life. But rates and levies seem to be at an all-time high lately. And, of course, levies are more a private issue depending on the body corp or the homeowners. But do you perhaps have some insight as to, you know, why these costs are increasing? Is it due to malpractice? Is it due to increasing municipal costs? Are, you know, these mm. security levies and reserve levies? Yes, of course, you just, you'd have to suspect that they're being used to manage the complexes and whatnot. But is there a reason that... For some reason, <laughs> these levies and costs and charges are just higher than ever and seem to keep growing. So I think there's two things happening here. The first is when it comes to um, privately owned properties where, you know, the body corporate is collecting a levy, there's a lot of supplementary services that body corporates have to now take over because the city is not doing their job. Mm -hmm. So you'll probably find now your body corporate has included a street cleaning levy or a recycling levy mm -hmm. or anything to try and do the stuff that the city is supposed to be doing. We see it a lot in the inner city with the improvement districts. So the inner city is divided into 20 plus improvement districts and those areas are supple the the services they are supplementary well they paid for 100% by the property developers mm -hmm. street cleaning security making sure that tenants are safe going from the taxi rank to the property those are things that the city should be doing yeah. but the private sector is now paying so for so there's almost an element of or well, a necessary element of philanthropy when doing your <laughs> own business i mean it's it's absolutely crazy 
absolutely crazy. Um, But we'll be back with you guys shortly. We hope that uh, the show's been very informative thus far. And uh, we've got a little bit more to say, Angela, but we'll be back shortly. Hashtag you don't have to be Jewish. Welcome back. Welcome back, everyone. With me in studio, Angela Rivers. Angela, now that we've had a little break to refresh. Yes. Tell me about where all of this money, all of these (laughs) rates payments, so exorbitant to the point where no one even knows what we're paying for anymore. What are they doing with this money? Where is it going? What are the municipalities doing? Why is everyone's water getting cut off every five minutes? In fact, and I have to throw this out there, I just got a message from my grandmother. Thank you for listening. At least someone in my family is listening. She mentioned that they received a bill for an increased water deposit in their building, and before they could even appeal it, their water was cut off. And in order to get that sorted, they'd probably have to sell the whole building. Or So tell us. Okay. Oh, my two favorite subjects. <laughs> Lovely. Where's the money going and yes. illegal disconnections? <laughs> yes. Oh, God. So, look, I don't know where all the money is going, but I know where a huge portion of the money is going, mm-hmm. and that is unnecessary legal fees. The amount of money that the city wastes every single month where they've lost cases against the private sector with costs and just to fix up bills. So we're not talking like we've got a huge class action. We've got two class actions against the city. Those are going to cost the city 600000 Six hundred thousand rand for each case. So that's homeowners. It's going to cost homeowners (laughs) one point two million rand in order to to get them to fix the tariff structure in refuse and sewer. So that's just us. Between our members, I have one member who has a a minimum of ten cases against the city at the moment. Each case, the legal fees can be anything between fifteen thousand rand to eighty thousand rand, just to start off with. Every single time, the city loses. The, the public pays. So if you, I mean, it's, it's staggering. It's abs- and this, this is not, I'm talking about you are reading the wrong meter in my building yeah. and you're not, you're not correcting it. So I'm going to take you to court to read the correct yeah. meter. Yeah. So we're not talking about big things yeah, here. Complex Just issues. Do your job. Mm-hmm. We, they, they pay. So they're now paying someone's salary to do their job and they're paying legal fees to get that person to do their job. Sounds and like it's an absolute millions and millions. We work with three different lawyers, a uh, medium-priced, a cheap yeah. one, and an expensive one. Because <laughs> you have to. <laughs> it seems as though they have more staff available to cut off your water than oh. they have available to re- accurately read your meter. <laughs> you know, See, they're never late for that. No, they're never late for that. When it comes to that. turning off the water or the lights, it's on time every single time. I can guarantee you, uh, my Friday, I know exactly, 10 o'clock on a Friday, I'm going to yeah. get a phone call that someone has been illegally disconnected. Uh. What does it mean to be illegally disconnected by the city? And this is something that every resident can really look out for. Yes. There are three main things that the city is not allowed to disconnect you. If you have, so these are the, re- these are three reasons that they cannot disconnect you. Say your, your gran has got her account and now they've got this, um, this uh, huge deposit increase that they have to pay. So the first thing that they would do is they would phone the city and log a call. 
you now have an open reference number. The city is not allowed to disconnect you if you have an open reference number. Mm-hmm. They're not allowed to disconnect you unless you get a pre-termination notice delivered to your property. I can guarantee you I've probably seen maybe four disconnection <laughs> notices yeah, this I know. year. I didn't even know that was a thing. <laughs> you know, so there's a whole process that they're supposed to they follow with to. a pre-termination notice. Then they're supposed to come with a disconnection notice. It's a whole, they never follow that process. Seems like they should just write their own version of the same book. Yes. Know? Yeah, they this should. is what we choose yes. to do. <laughs> the Johannesburg Municipal Version of the exact same book. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then the most important thing, the city cannot disconnect you if you have those two things in place. But the last one is you continue to pay your monthly usage mm-hmm. or, or what you think is fair. So if you f- feel like if you've been paying 2,000 Rand every single month for your water and then one month it goes up to 8,000 Rand, <laughs> The law, the bylaw states you can continue paying, the phone and log a call, mm-hmm. and you can continue to pay your 2,000 rand every th- single month until the city resolves that yes. issue. Yes. So as long as you're doing those three things, you should not be disconnected. Yeah, look, by rights, everything you say is, sounds pretty simple. I mean, you'd think it's pretty easy to enforce, but unfortunately, no. for those involved, and I'm sure most of our listeners already know, yes, it is not the case. But I can tell you the 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 attitude from the city of Johannesburg legal department is we have legal cases that are ba- go back to 2018 where mm-hmm. they were supposed to fix the account in 2018, and the city has dragged it on for four years. That's four years of legal fees, and no one will take ownership for it. And it's us. It's our rates. That little rates that you pay every month, mm-hmm. the 300, 400, 1,000, whatever, that is paying the legal fees for the city. Not to it's mention all the other nonsense that uh, that money is being put towards. Yeah, but and we um, can see, we can see if you, if, if you yeah. drive around Johannesburg, we can see the money is definitely not being used on fixing potholes, oh, no. street lights. Have you seen this private pothole agency that have come up out of the blue? They've just patched. Yeah. Um, they do it themselves. And you know that that's actually against the law yeah. because you're not allowed to touch um, council's sure. infrastructure. Sure. But what but are we going to do? If they don't do it, who will? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, there's potholes I've seen that are like the size of a, a sink or a baby swimming pool. And it's not like it lasts a week or two, okay? No. Months. And now that the rain is coming, those potholes oh. are going to get bigger. Oh, yeah. It's, oh, it's yeah. scary. I mean, and you look overseas, look at China. Have you seen those videos? They do like a stop motion video of an entire street road collapses and within like three days it's done, fixed. It's amazing. Incredible. It's, it's, Incredible. it's doable. You know? It is. We have enough, you know, hands on deck if trained correctly and guarded correctly to get that done as efficiently as anyone else. Yeah. And, you know, just while we're on this t- subject, one of my big bugbears mm. is – Every time of this, every every year at this time, we have rain. Mm-hmm. It, we have huge rain. Oh, Johannesburg yeah. is known for our wonderful summer storms. Yes. The city doesn't clean the stormwater drains before the, the, the storms come. So if you're working in Flooding. the inner city and you try and leave the inner city after one of the big storms like we had last week, mm-hmm. you cannot get out. This, yeah. The roads are flooded. Your car – I've sure. I've been in situations where the water's almost up to my window. Yeah. It is insane. No, I'm sure. And this is something – look, we know it's going to rain. It happens oh, yes, every exactly. year. Exactly. Prepare for it. <laughs> prepare. Fail to prepare. Prepare to fail. That's exactly. Wow. Really, really, oh. it's – some of the stuff that goes on in this country, it, it makes your jaw drop for sure. But, you know, it's almost madness at times. But yes. um, we'll be back very shortly. 
uh, straight after this. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. Hello, hello, hello. This is Propertunity Knox with myself, Jordan Chinotsky, and our amazing speaker, Angela Rivers. Angela, we have had a fortune to discuss on this show, and in truth, I'm sure this conversation may last a couple hours once the show ends. <laughs> but in a nutshell, let me ask you this, just to just to round things up for our listeners. Mm. If just the just these core issues would even slightly improve, let's just say for argument's sake, utopia, they were they were they were fixed to the to the standards of a first world country. What what sort of benefit or impact could that have on society at large? And oh. the, the homeowners and the investors and the overall spectrum for, you know, everyone in the country. I think it would be staggering. I think it would, I think we would, there would be an increase in employment, investment. People would start buying buildings again and get involved in developments and property owners would um, appreciate their spaces more. Um, you know, you, 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 when you're driving around the city and nothing is working in the traffic lights, you get despondent. You feel like, what is the point? Mm-hmm. Um, I was actually made a joke the other day with someone where I was like, I can't remember the last time I, dro- I drove from point A to point B and there wasn't a traffic light. <laughs> at least one. one. I've gone <laughs> like, to the point where I even stop at them sometimes and I'm just like waiting, 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 waiting. And I get a hoot from behind and I'm like, oh my God, the, lo- yeah. the robot's not working. Yeah. It's a nightmare. Absolutely. And I think that if, if the city really really um, kept to its word and fulfilled its promises and stopped wasting money, yeah. put the money in the right place. Exactly. Fix this. Do the basics. Exactly. The basics. Exactly. I mean, and, and it's one thing reducing the overall cost of living, you know, but just in general, I mean, improving processes in any example leads to an improvement overall. I mean, if these little issues were resolved, the cost of living, for all we know, would go down. And at the very least... The money you'd be paying, even if it were the same amount, mm. you'd be seeing it. You'd be seeing the fruition of what it's being used for. The country would be improved. I mean, the fact that they can't keep lights on and we're all paying 5,000 rand a month, 55 million people. Okay, not all of us, but, yeah. you know, a good, for, a good portion of us. It's absolutely crazy. Um, Jordan, I'll give you a scary figure. Mm-hmm. So Jay Poma has 55 members, mm-hmm. ranging from very small developers and landlords who own one or two flats to big guys who own huge developments yeah. within the inner city. Mm-hmm. And collectively, we pay the city 80 million rand a month, a month. On, on our services, rates, pr- rates, water, electricity. That is what we are paying the city as one organization, 80 million rand a month. Where is that? I wish the viewers could see my face right now. <laughs> my jaws dropped. <laughs> my word, my word. There is, it seems like the horizon <laughs> for property in the country is not too bright. However, with these little topics we've discussed, we know what the problems are. Mm. We need to rally together. We need to work as a team, as yes. a big rainbow nation, towards fixing this problem. Because at the end of the day, if even a small cluster of us if make the effort to improve this, the greater majority will benefit. Exactly. That's exactly. why I'm still in this job. <laughs> <laughs> well, Angela, <Living> hope. <laughs> Angela, thank you so, so much for coming on to the show. Amazing start. Our first interview. It's oh. been an absolute pleasure hearing what you have to say. And truth be told, I cannot wait to have you on the show again in the foreseeable. 
I will always come back if you ask me. <laughs> I've really enjoyed myself. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure, guys. That was Angela Rivers giving us a little bit of context into the issue of, you know, maladministration, misallocation of funds, specifically relating to the property market. So, everyone, thank you very, very much for tuning in to my first show, Proportunity Knocks, your key to the property market.